It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. Well, it's headline news around the world. In case you hadn't noticed, Manchester City lost a football match at the weekend. And I think the last time that happened was away at Newcastle, the 29th of January 1919. This time, it was away at newly promoted Norwich City 3-2 at Carrow Road. To discuss, to discuss that and much more, I've got three guests. A view from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Hello. Uh, MCFC pragmatist Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nigel. And Tony Newgrosh. Good evening. Uh, gentlemen, a bad day at the office and move on, or something a bit more concerning for us to worry about? Tony, where, where does it sit in, in, in your thinking? It was certainly a bad day at the office, but I'm concerned, to be honest. I actually think, in hindsight, the seeds were there in the Brighton game. I thought we were quite lucky. They had quite a few chances. They showed how to play around us. Uh, we scored four good goals and got away with it. We didn't this time against, well, not even Norwich's first team. We lost to Norwich's second team, and that worries me. Not a world-beating back four, um, and plenty, I think, for us to have a few sleepless nights about. Hopefully, Pep will solve it. Wow, that's more negative than I thought you were going to be. Uh, are you similarly negative, Nick, or are you a bit more upbeat saying, look, we've got Pep, we've got a world-class squad, we're going to sweep the board again this year? Well... There were some upsides, I guess. As you say, we we uh, we brought the whole of the sporting world together for a momentous uh, weekend. Um, Tottenham and Arsenal fans were hugging each other in pubs across London as the result came through. Delia had barely cracked open the second bottle of red. They were they were two goals up, and they were they were. Uh, uh, preparing for a momentous weekend in Norwich. I think it was their greatest result for 26 years. They're talking about r- recalling the famous Bayern Munich win in 1993 <laughs> as, the, as the comparison. Um, but we were just good old-fashioned crap. I mean, you know, there was no VAR controversies. There was no contentious decisions. There was no... Don't think our coach was attacked by tractors on the way into the to the game. We were just Jamie Pollock style rubbish, I think, for most of it. You you were there, Stephen, as always, a, a home and away man. I couldn't get to Norwich, to be honest. Watched on the box, but you were there again. Yeah, um, it was disappointing. Nor- Norwich played probably as well as they could have done. Um, even if they'd have had their first team out, um, and we we had a really poor day. 
But I, th- I think it's blown out of proportion because it's City and the fact that we lose so rarely. And immediately everyone wants to jump on you know, the defence and this player and that player and the tactics and leaving De Bruyne out, etc. Uh, I'm not too concerned. I'm not as concerned maybe as Tony is. I, I think you know we may look back in, in three, four months' time and think actually this defeat helped us in a perverse way because it might just be that kick up the backside to say to the players we're in another fight again this year. We can't just stroll to the title. We can't expect Liverpool to drop points. You know, we it might just kick us and spark us into life. But, yeah, Nor- Norwich played very well. They, As Brighton did, they passed the ball out from the back. And in, in previous years, we'd have said, you know, when, when teams do that against us, that's when we're probably at our most lethal because we'll pinch the ball, we'll press high and, and we'll hurt them. But Brighton, as Tony rightly said, played very well, passed round us at times, lacked the finishing, ruthless touch that, that Norwich had. But you'd still think if we play anywhere near, not even our best, but you know, a good, kind of bog-standard City performance, we'd still beat these teams even if they play well. We just had an off day and, and that happens. It's quite a different picture to the one that you painted Tony do you, do you want to come back to Stephen and sort of challenge any of that and kind of put the opposing argument because you, you you clearly feel quite strongly that there's maybe Stephen's paraphrasing is saying look it's, it was a bad day at the office you know we, we're going to bounce back and actually potentially we could still go on and win a load of stuff this year you I get the impression from you you're feeling quite negative about it and actually feel that there are more deep-rooted problems I worry that uh Back four that's got Zinchenko, Otamendi and Stones is going to get found out more often than just when we have the odd bad day. Yes, of course, we should have beaten Norwich and we had, what, 17 shots on target to four. Um, we might have got away with it another day. But I just worry teams will think that is the blueprint about how you attack City now. And we did, let's be honest, crumble a little bit under the pressure. It, we just didn't step up. And I worry even Edison didn't exactly cover himself in glory. I know he didn't have much of a chance with perhaps the last two goals, but he just sort of flapped at the corner as well, and we just didn't seem up for it. It, it. it worries me, actually. Hopefully Mendy will be back soon. Hurrah. Maybe we'll see Fernandinho drop into the back four. But this was a little bit predictable, I have to say. We lost our captain and our leader at the back. He hasn't been replaced. We've had an injury. It happens. And I think we're vulnerable now. We're still going to win far, far more games than uh, than uh, not. Um, we may come up short in the really, really big games this season um, because, uh, especially with Laporte out, uh, I think that is a, a factor. It's not the absolute end of the world, but it's definitely a factor. Um, clearly, there's a bit of complacency. It's perfectly understandable after the last two seasons... I was a little bit surprised in a positive way last year that we managed to keep up that battle right to the end and win the title again and the other two trophies because I thought we would suffer a little bit last year from the the hangover of 100 points the year before. Um, I think it certainly is catching up a little bit with us now. Company, company going and Laporte out are certainly, again, they are factors that certainly don't help. Um, we, looked at, we look a bit uh, too much the same in terms of our 11 as we have for the past sort of couple of years, week in, week out. I do think the decision to drop De Bruyne was a poor one. It was a strange one. Um, 
I can understand, you know, there are one or two reasons why it can be explained, but I still can, think... Can you do that for us, then, Nick? So, so what, why do you think he did that? What was the main reason for that? Because he ended up, of course, playing Gundogan and Rodri, which seemed a bit odd to me, having those two playing together, because I think they do a similar job, I thought, and then leaving De Bruyne on the bench. So your thoughts of why he did that? What well, the... well, I think that the two reasons for leaving him out are that he kept in Belgium now, so he had that... Um, in the international break, and we've got the midweek game in Europe coming up. Those are the only two reasons not to play him. But I don't like uh, especially the idea of playing two relatively defensive uh, midfielders in Rodri and um, Gundogan together. And we still let in three goals, so (laughs) it didn't work, did it? But they're not both defensive in that team. If Gundogan plays in the holding role... He's there to do that. But when Rodri's there, Gundogan pushes on. I, I don't like Gundogan. I don't think he offers anywhere near enough when he's one of the attacking midfielders. And of course, we're going to miss De Bruyne, who's best player in the league, when he's on form and fit. But you can, you can totally understand why De Bruyne didn't play. Um, there's an argument to say, let him play the first half, try and get a couple of goals ahead, and, and then you can rest him if you need to. But... You know, given the amount of football he missed last year, I think Pep's just trying to be a bit more careful because, you know, it's easy in hindsight, but if he's played two full games for Belgium and then he plays against Norwich and he gets injured against Norwich and misses another few games because you think, oh, he's in form, he's got a few assists, let's play him, people would be on Pep's case for that. I think, you know, the the team selection in hindsight doesn't look great. There was an argument maybe for, for playing Foden, because you know he'd give you a bit more energy, a bit more thrust than than Gundogan would, um, and I think that also affects Bernardo because he's not got De Bruyne making that run inside or, or taking defenders away. But yeah, I'm I'm not too worried overall because before the Norwich game we'd we'd won every game in the league, and the only one we'd drawn was against Spurs, where we were absolutely phenomenal and limited a very good Spurs team to almost nothing. So I think it's because it's City. Because of how good we've been, it's easy to get carried away when we lose. It's interesting, the one person we haven't mentioned, Tony, is, is John Stones, of course, who uh, we've mentioned Otamendi, uh, we've mentioned others at the back, people missing, people who've moved on. So John Stones coming back from injury. Um, England international. He should have been good enough, shouldn't he? Uh, yes, he's still feeling his way back in, but that partnership just worries me. There's not an awful lot of pace there. No one seemed to really take the game by the scruff of the neck. And clearly, Stone should be comfortable on the ball. I don't think he's as comfortable as we would like. And he's made a few mistakes for City and England in the past. Otamendi, it's hard, isn't it? They've come in. They've clearly not got the full confidence of the manager, I think it's clear to say. They've both slipped down the pecking order in the past. And now all of a sudden they're being asked to effectively lead the team from the back. But that said, we should be good enough to beat Norwich. And even letting in three, we should still have won. Let's be clear about it. We had enough chances. And the finishing, we should also mention, I thought was very poor. That was a half-fit Tim Krul. And he made, what, one decent save in the whole game? Not it's, good enough. It was... It was you know, I don't think it's, it's completely fair to blame anyone in particular or the the defence as a whole because I thought we were just generally not very good from from the right at the top to uh, to the bottom one goal was from a corner one goal was an absolute shambles and the one in the middle 
was a good goal. And, you know, it was made by a bit of um, skill in the middle of the pitch, which completely opened us up. Um, and it was a, it was, it was a good goal. Um, it, it, you know, I think it's more, it's more interesting actually to look at why we're conceding from corners quite regularly um, rather than you know, blaming Stones or, or, or whoever. And people say that Pep is forensic in his preparation and, and we as just simple fans know that corners, we seem to be vulnerable. Um, your, your thoughts on that, Stephen? Why, why are we conceding so many from corners? Is that, is that, is that a flaw or is that I'm just the way sure, it is? I'm not sure we are conceding that many from corners. It, it's now got to the stage where every time we concede from a corner it's built up to be this huge issue. There's, you know, we conceded one to Murray at the end of last season and, and Luca scored for Spurs this year. But, and another one at Norwich as well. And, so and, and Norwich, but only, only not played you know, that many games. It's not conceded that many goals. They're, they're, a, <laughs> they're a huge attacking threat for the opposition. Not for us, they aren't. But I, and I think that's maybe slightly tangential. Part of our problem is because our corners are so poor <laughs> and we score so infrequently. You think corners aren't actually that dangerous. Essentially, the man for Norwich has got a, a run on Rodri, who's jumping from a standing start. It's a good ball into the box, dangerous area. We don't have anyone on the post. It's a good header. It, it happens. But we were all too deep. Was it just me? We were, we were doing zonal defending, but they were all within the six-yard box. It was quite clear if somebody had a run, he was going to get a header in. And nobody made an effort to go for the ball. I, I thought it was very poor, to be honest, and it was quite an obvious corner that they scored from. Yeah, I mean, the statistics, because I looked it up, the statistics are that um, we can see... Uh, it's, a quite, it's a slightly anomalous statistic, actually, because we concede more from set pieces as a proportion of the total number of goals that we score, that, uh, that we concede, than any other team. But that's, of course, because we let in far less from open play than any other team, but we also do concede a little bit more from corners than most other teams. But we are lacking in height, that's always been obvious, hasn't it? So, in a way, that doesn't surprise me. Well, yeah, but I think there's there's also something to it that that goes along with the rest of our defending, in a way, which is that we will always give the other team a bit of a chance because we don't, A, we don't expect them to score very many against us, and B, because we normally expect to score more than them anyway. You know, that is a a, a bit of a, a, a of a factor in our in our defending, um, but just going back to corners, we do also score less than almost any other team uh, from corner. We have more corners than any other team. You heard it here first. Um, so last year we scored two percent of our corners. Now Liverpool <laughs> scored over five percent from their corners. They scored eight more goals uh, from corners. Are you, are you an accountant? <clears throat> I'm a spe- specialist corner accountant. <laughs> I, I, it'll be the other two goals, though, that I think annoy Pep a lot more. Because corners, there's almost a limit to how much you can prepare. Good ball into the box, tall attackers running on, you kind of, you know, you're hopeful. Otamendi being caught in possession. Yeah, Inex- yes, inexcusable. Yes, it's a very rare mistake, but the total lack of awareness of there's somebody pressing him or he needs to look around and see what's, what's on him, that would worry Pep. But actually the counter-attack as well. You know the the tactical fouling that City employ people talk about, but that there's nothing wrong with that. If you're short at the back and the opposition are, are streaming forward, I, I've not watched the goal again. But I, you know, Pep would have thought, why isn't somebody bringing him down? Maybe you take the foul. Maybe you take the yellow card. Get back into position. 
that that inability to control the counter attack will, I'm sure, annoy Pep more than someone being out jumped for a corner. Yeah, but more than that, I mean, Walker was stood there with his arm up Arsenal style, wasn't he? When he was playing them all on side, all he had to do was stand still, and they would have been off, end off. So, very poor goal in any respect. Can I just pick back up on something we touched on? We've talked a lot about the defence. Uh, I think you raised it, Tony, this issue of actually of our sort of front three not firing on all cylinders either, which clearly was, was a factor. Those sort of games in the past with that many chances, we might have scored five or six, and it doesn't matter how many we mm-hmm. concede. We could have conceded those three, but still won the game. Your thoughts on that, of, of why that was? We, we had our chances. We certainly did. It's difficult to say. Look, I thought... I thought our star striker, as always, Sergio, got himself around and was a little bit unlucky. Um, But, as I say, Tim Krull, by all accounts, he wasn't fully fit and he had a very easy afternoon. We had more than enough chances to put that game to bed and it frustrates me greatly, actually, when taking... But even from the first kickoff, I don't know if it was just me, Zinchenko, I think, misplaced his first three passes and he just thought, what is going on? Why? Why are we not up for this? And I was scared from the first minute and normally we get away with it, don't we? We, You know, Sergio will bag a quick hat-trick or something, Sterling will do something, having drifted in and out of the game. It didn't happen. But as you say, that might be the kick up the backside. That's the only solace I can take from that. Yeah, I felt a bit for Aguero because he, he seemed on it. He was really put, putting himself about and when the ball came to him, he'd do something. But around him, Sterling had probably his quietest game in a long time. Bernardo didn't do a lot. David Silva was, was pretty ineffective. Gundogan gave nothing. So, you know, as soon as De Bruyne came on, partly it was De Bruyne, partly the game situation, we had a bit more intensity and urgency. I'd have thought maybe Mares could have come on earlier possibly pushed Bernardo into the middle but you know Jesus was another one who made an impact the last five minutes yes we had to go for it we looked a different team we had energy and and pace and we're fizzing passes about and we you know if we'd have scored maybe we'd have said you know we've sneaked a point there but yeah the first half was just so it reminded me of a Pellegrini team it was just quite predictable and laboured and there was nothing about us but we all thought did we not when Aguero got the one back just before half time that we were going to go on and probably we were going we were at least going to get a point if not we were going to win and I thought we came out second half looking totally different we were back to controlling the game it was all being played in their half you know we were corralling them around the penalty area and it was all going in our favour. And then we gave away that horrendous goal and the game completely... You know, we were just hit for six from that. And it, it, was, it was pretty much... That having gone. been said, I feel if the game had gone on for another ten minutes, we could well have won yeah. the game. I think it's very easy when you've got the ball. I think without the ball and you're working hard like they were, it's absolutely exhausting. And they look out on their feet at the end of the game because that's really, really exhausting having to defend uh, as they had to in numbers. And, I mean, we uh, blamed Otamendi... Giving a bit of grief tonight, but to be fair, I mean, I was, I was coaching the under-12s yesterday, and the first thing we said to him is, you've got to talk to each other. I don't think he got a call there, did he? And yes, he should be more aware in a pep team, but help the poor guy, he's coming, he's not fully confident. Where was the scream of, get rid? So I don't think we did him any favours whatsoever. And we lost 10-1 yesterday as well, the under-12s, so what do <laughs> I know? But, but there you go. We've, we, 
I know you're, man- you're the manager of the. the I was. Well, so I've, I've resigned. Now. You've, yes. Quite right. Two, quit top, one. Yeah. Talking of managers, can we talk about a, a lesser manager, Pep Guardiola, and some of his comments at the end of the game um, about so it's Liverpool's title and uh, so on. He did give Norwich credit, as, as indeed Stephen did as well. I think we all should do that. They've got to take great credit for their performance. But your thoughts on on Pep? I saw him going on the pitch. I think he shook hands with every single Norwich player. Um, he's class, isn't he? the way he deals with these situations and the way he reacts, or have you got a different view? Yeah, I, I keep going back when, you, you know, we have moments like this, you keep thinking of the Amazon video when Pep said, I'll defend you in the press, and you wonder what he said to them in the dressing room, because that performance, especially the first half, was against everything that he would stand for. So he'll come out in the press and he'll, he'll give these positive comments and the, you know, the question about Liverpool of do you give up the title and like, what do you want me to say at September was, was the right answer because it's a ridiculous question. Yeah. Um, I bet he's given them an absolute rollicking behind the scenes and I think, you'd, or you'd like to think they'll come out in midweek against Shakhtar and, and put on a performance. Um, yeah, he's, he, he can be a bit snarky at times, Pep, but I, I think he said the right things. Yeah, sometimes you, you do want him to go a bit more ballistic on the touchline, don't you? Yeah, he was prowling around and he was clearly frustrated, but you almost wanted a bit of Klopp-esque manic frustration there, didn't you? Just absolutely giving the players what they deserved after 30 minutes of a fairly abject performance. It wasn't to be. He's very polished, Pep. He knows what to, to do at the end of the game and what he's going to say in the, the media briefing and he makes all the right noises. Um, but it was a classic case of complacency after, after the break, the international break, um, and you just wonder why that message isn't being reinforced to the team before the game in the right way, because it's not the first time it's happened, um, and why we've got to wait. You know, clearly, he's absolutely livid <laughs> after that game. Can we just add as well, the worst thing about the whole defeat was having Jamie Carragher as co-commentator on Sky Sports, that just nearly pushed me over the edge. Thankfully, I missed that. But the crowd were unbelievable. It was the loudest that I've heard a ground in the Premier League for a long time. Not just the goals, but you know, the, there was so much noise. It, it almost felt a bit like the, you know, the famous Anfield atmosphere. You know, they really got behind the team. I th- it was it was just good to see because you don't get that atmosphere too often in the league. Can I just ask a question from a, a mate of ours, uh, Arthur Jones? Uh, good to hear from you, Arthur. Thanks for your question. He said, having good centre-backs in defence is important for building our attacks. Is the current malaise going to have a knock-on effect on our ability to score goals and win games? I've got a subsequent comment as well to make. So uh, who wants to have a, a, a go at that? So good centre-backs is important, but actually, is the current malaise going to have a knock-on effect on our ability to score goals and win games? Anybody concerned about that, Nick? Well, I'll Maybe, say yes. but, but one thing that frustrated me watching that game on, on Saturday was just how much Zinchenko and Walker actually had the ball. They, ten, they, they, they seemed to have more possession than almost anybody else, and the fact, the fact that they were so poor at distributing it on that day was quite frustrating. I mean, obviously, normally it's our centre-backs who have more possession than anybody else. So clearly, if we are uh, a little bit uh, bereft in that department, then it's going to have a a bit of an effect, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it might fundamentally change the way we try and play because I don't think Stones or Ottomendi have got the confidence to bring the ball out from the back. And teams will see, as Brighton did, as Norwich did, that if you press us at the back, you can throttle the whole way we play. So I think you might see something different. That said, in Edison, you've got a goalkeeper who can ping the ball 80 yards if teams want to push up against us. So you hope we will find another way to play but it's a worry okay, can I throw one final thing before we move on from the Norwich game we've got other things we've got Europe to talk about we've got Watford at the weekend as well um, just one other thing that, that I think somebody touched on earlier which is about Fernandinho and the fact that he is a potential solution to our sort of centre-back problem um, how strongly do you feel Stephen about him reverting and playing in that we've got Rodri now to replace him in that sort of defensive midfield berth so he's freed up to do that job it sounds like a sensible solution to me I'm less keen on it to be honest Um, I think what he's played one full game maybe last season and and half a game this year when um, Laporte went off injured at centre-back and he's done a good job and, and I think if you played him there he'd be fine because he's naturally I think he reads the game, he's an intelligent footballer and obviously he's brilliant on the ball. But he's not a centre-back. He's an unbelievable holding midfielder. And I think, you know, Rodri has settled very well and looks like he'll become that player. But I think Fernandinho gives us that grit and, and leadership in midfield. And especially if you're, you're playing centre-backs who are low on confidence and a bit uncertain, having Fernandinho in there to ping passes about and just control everything would give us more security. I think people get carried away about his potential at centre-back because he's been mentioned as an option. You know, in certain games, I think at home where teams may sit back and you know, the onus is on us to break them down, you could play him there because he will bring the ball forward and he, he's got that range of passing. And on that point, I think we will miss Laporte's you know, crossfield zings out to the, to the right wing and his ability to bring it out. But I don't think someone like Norwich away, where you've got Pookie as a big physical striker, teams who will press us and, and have a go. I just, you know, we've not seen Fernandinho in that situation. I think, you know, it's really tough to say, oh, we should play him there, or let's give Eric Garcia a chance, or, or Harwood Bellis, because he's looked good in pre-season. Stones and Otamendi are two experienced, very, very good international players. Otamendi's got a blooper in him, and, and when he's bad, he's awful. But, you know, we have to have more confidence in them as a pair. And Fernandinho will play a few games, but he's not a long-term solution. Yeah, he's five foot ten. He's a bit reckless with his tackling. It doesn't inspire. And Taylor harwood Bellis sounds more like a law firm than a solution <laughs> to our problems. So I'm not convinced there either. Uh, look, I think you're absolutely right. They are two experienced defenders Stones I think there is a there is more of a question mark against for a number of, um, of reasons but Otamendi um, has been an excellent uh, defender for uh, for City for a long period of time he didn't play a lot of games last year but he's now got a huge opportunity this year he nearly he nearly left in the summer we've seen that happen before nearly gone back in the team, fantastic run. He needs to step up and lead the back four. That is the big thing. What we miss, I think, with Stones and Otamendi in there is that neither of them actually become the leader. They kind of just rely on each other to do something. And actually, I think Otamendi's got to be the one who takes the lead and uh, runs the back four. That's what we really need. 
yeah, I, I, I think he'll probably relish that opportunity as well. In midfield, though, part of the reason I think teams can get our defence is we had Rodri, Gundogan and David Silva, and I don't think any of them are very mobile. And therefore, when our front three were having an off day and, and weren't maybe pressing as they could have done and Norwich get past us, suddenly the defence is in trouble. If you've got De Bruyne and Fernandinho snapping in midfield, I don't think they'd, they'd be as open at the bat. Listen, that's probably enough of the Norwich defeat. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back straight after this. Welcome back. Let's talk about the fact that Pep and the squad fly to the Ukraine ahead of Wednesday's Group C clash against Shakhtar Donetsk. Can we play you every year? Yes is the answer to that. Uh, we've got, uh, what was it, beaten 3-1 last year, 3-0 last year, sorry. Um, and the season before, I think it was a 2-1 loss, wasn't it? Not that it mattered very much because we still uh, progressed. Um, Thoughts, I saw Mendy was on the plane, which is good to see, whether he'll start or not, who knows, but it's good to see he's obviously fit and almost back to... Is he uh, serving the drinks? He, he could well be serving drinks, um, he could be in charge of the fireworks, I'm not entirely sure what well, his role... some good could... nightclubs out there, I think that's why he's gone. But seriously, Champions League is back, we've made the point we're going to be playing regularly, we've got what, Carabao Cup next week as well, so these games are going to come thick and fast, it's where the squad comes into its own. Um, thoughts ahead of Shakhtar and the Champions League campaign, Stephen? Yeah, I think Shakhtar of course does problems, or maybe more so than we expected in the last couple of years. Um, from cor- is that from corners or, or not? <laughs> um, no, lots of kind of Brazilian good ball-playing um, individuals Ukrainians but, yeah but they've lost their manager um, from the last few years they've lost Bernard who's gone to Everton so uh, I think given what we said before the break about you know that the Norwich result just giving us that extra kick you know I'd be surprised if we went there and didn't put on a show um, but it's not easy I think it's one of the things that you know Nick touched on before that last season maybe we expected some complacency I think look from the outside looking in, last season was all about retaining the Premier League and going back-to-back and showing we weren't just a one-off. This year you just get the sense that it's about the Champions League and, and Pep maybe proving a point in there and City having won everything domestically now going on and, and performing in Europe. So I, I think it will be a really key area um, for City and, and the competition that we'll target probably above any others this year. Is that right? We have this debate every year, Champions League, Premier League. Stephen's putting it out there that actually... And is this because we're no, already fighting... I, think, fi- this is, I is think this is what the club will go after this year. I'm not saying as a fan that's what I no, want. No, no, I'm understanding. I think Pep will, will know that this year is Champions League. Is that right, Tony? Is, is three, three Premier League titles dominate your domestic league first and foremost, people say? Stephen is suggesting here, for the first time on the Man City Show podcast, that potentially the club will be saying, Pep, we need the Champions League now. We're losing patience. I don't think they're losing patience, but I think it would complete the set. I Listen, I'd take either, to be honest. Um, you know, we had the uh, full members' cup final to live for for 20 years, didn't we? And now we're debating whether we want to win the league or the Champions League. It's a nice choice to have. But I think you're right. I think we will prioritise it this year. I think it will fit quite nicely. Laporte will be back. Um, Sane might even be back. 
We've got a kind group. There's absolutely no reason, notwithstanding a blip on Saturday, that we can't win the group. We really should win the group. And then we're in the fate of the gods, aren't we? Kind draw. We can go all the way, I am sure. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it will uh, hopefully dispel all the misery we've just uh, been talking about. This has changed. the, The mood has changed, Nick, here. In previous shows, we've always had Premier League first, and we've got two of my favourite guests who are saying that actually they reckon Champions League is now more important. I'm not sure if I agree with them, but are you, is, are you going to complete the set and make it 3-1 or is it going to be a two-all draw? I'm, I'm going to drop a bombshell. Nigel. My word. We heard it here for... Go on, Nick. Share it with us. I've never been particularly up for the Champions League and I'd much rather win a, a, a third title. Stephen's nodding at me because he... Means he, he, as he said, he agrees. He was just trying to uh, talk about what the club probably want, yep. which is, I'm sure, absolutely right. Uh, I'm fairly sure that we will qualify out of our group. It wouldn't remotely surprise me if we cocked up this game on Wednesday night, or was it Tuesday? Wednesday, when, Wednesday night. Wednesday, yep. um, after that performance on Saturday, uh, uh, it's. You know, it's probably going to be a relatively um, easy, I'm going to say easy, it's not quite the right word, but a relatively easy tie. Uh, But going away from home, somewhere like that, is never straightforward. Um, And I think that we are just ripe for a second cock-up. I think we seem to have done it in the last couple of years. Because Stephen's coming from a different position. He's saying, actually, it's given us the kick up the bum that we need and therefore we'll perform. You're saying, potentially, there may well be a bit of a hangover from, I, from the weekend. I'm saying, last couple of years, when we have cocked up, we've tended to do it twice rather than once. Okay. And I think we've got, we've got another one in us this week. But we're still going to get out of the group, is what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, sure. Okay, all right, interesting. And in terms of line-up, obviously... Decisions to be made, as I said before, games coming thick and fast. Who do you expect to see maybe having a starting berth in, in, in the Wednesday night squad against Shakhtar? Any, any I think thoughts be, on that? Well, it'll be a tough game. Undoubtedly, uh, De Bruyne will be back. I think we can all rely on that. Um, I think he might well stick with the same back too, actually, and try and give him a confidence boost. I think it will be a good game, though, because I think Shakhtar will certainly go for it, and they'll have seen, if you have a go at City, you've got a chance. We hopefully will be a little bit stung, and I think it might be a very open end-to-end game. Not an easy place to go. I don't think it's the time for Phil Foden, as much as I'd love to see him play. So I don't think we'll actually see that many changes, in all honesty. Uh, Cancelo is, a, is an option potentially would you start him in a Champions League game We've me- you've mentioned Foden probably not the game to start him other, other, con- other considerations Stephen or no, do you think I, we've got it about I, right I'd personally like to see Fernandinho come in as a holding midfielder um, and drop Rodri and drop rotate rest Rodri yep um, De Bruyne will come in I wouldn't be surprised to see Gundogan stay in the team I think David Silva might struggle to play um, two in, in such a short space of time your other option in midfield might be to play Mares on the wing and, and have Bernardo and, and De Bruyne as your two attacking options. And Jesus is, is probably ready for a start as well. Um, but there's not that many options. You know, you, I don't think he'll, he'll play Mendy. I think we'll, we'll see Mendy eased in. He might get a few minutes off the bench in the next couple of games, then he might start against Preston in the cup. But you know, having missed so much football he'd be a huge risk I don't think we'll see Cancelo from the start so 
Yeah, there, there won't be too many changes. We've not seen that much of Bernardo this season, or not as much as I'd thought, which I don't quite understand. I mean, for me, he was probably the standout player last year, so um, that slightly confuses me, in all honesty. You'd like, obviously like to see more of him in, oh, in, instead of... You, you're talking about Mares. maybe? Is too much of Mares, not enough Bernardo no, I think type of... For me, Bernardo's pretty much one of the first names on the team sheet, but yeah. he's been on the bench quite a bit. He was withdrawn on Saturday as well. It's, it's a little mm. bit surprising, but in Pep we trust. I think it'll be an interesting night for Zinchenko, going back to his former club when, I think last year... Yeah, he he got 40 tickets, I think we read in, in the press, 40 tickets for friends and family. Um, and then Pep didn't even put him on the bench. Um, <laughs> so he'll be hoping to play again this year in, in front of you know people he knows well. Has he got the 40 tickets again? Do you know it's good insight this season? I've Steve, not asked him, actually. No, no if you let us know. So if, if you know, let us know. We're, uh, as you know, on Twitter, at City Podcast. Uh, if you know how many tickets um, Alexander Sinchenko's got for the Shakhtar City game uh, on Wednesday night. Um, Let's look forward to the weekend as well. Uh, the mighty Watford from Vickery's Road travel to the Etihad Stadium. We've had some uh, bit of a goal feast against them over in the last few seasons, haven't we? We seem to like playing Watford. Uh, the FA Cup final is one that springs to mind, where we knocked a few past them. We like playing Watford. Can we play you every week? Yeah, they'll be uh, trying to forget that uh, embarrassment as much as they, as much as they can. They're coming off the back of a decent result. I didn't see the Arsenal game. So just to but, remind me, uh, they came back. They were two 0 down, I think, at home to Arsenal at the weekend, and came back to two all in the end. Yeah, um, but uh, I mean, I would expect us to win that very convincingly. To be honest with you, as much as I'm slightly uh, slightly concerned about the midweek game, I think that will be the one where we come back and and we just uh, we put that one one to bed pretty early on. I would say. You've, I guess we're all going to feel the same in terms of you've got to feel confident, haven't you, against the Watford side at the Etihad? I think they're still are they still bottom of the league. I think so. Uh... Two points, haven't they? Yeah, not great. Yeah, we do. We normally do well against them. That said, they gave us an almighty scare at uh, Vicarage Road last season, didn't they? When we were cruising at two 0 up. Yeah. So certainly no grounds for complacency. Um, and a three o'clock on a Saturday kickoff. That's a bit of a rarity, isn't it? So look, we just. We have to win, almost, don't we? Five points off the lead already. We've played our joker already, it seems, for this season. Three points might be a little bit ugly, but it will be three points. And just sort of building up on what we said about the the Shakhtar game, sort of team selection, two games, or three games, if you like, in, in seven or eight days. Thoughts on selection? It partly depends on what happens, I guess, Wednesday yeah, night. I, and, I think he'll go strong against Watford, because then he's got the cup in midweek where he can give anyone who's not played a huge amount of football or if he wants to rest the centre-backs to protect them from more injuries, he can. So, yeah, I'd expect we'll see pretty much the strongest eleven against Watford. And uh, the bit you like most, let's have your predictions then for uh, both Shakhtar and Watford. So you've got two games, please. Shakhtar 3-1, Watford 4-0. Let's have yours then, Tony, before we go. Tough one to call, Shakhtar, I think. As I say, I think it will be an open game. I am going to go for 4-2 to Manchester City. And Watford, 3-1. Finally, Nick Goldstone. Uh, 2-2, Shakhtar. <laughs> and we love having you on. 
a convincing but fairly dull 2 0 win against Watford. Fantastic. It's been a huge pleasure. Thanks to my three guests, to a view from a blue Stephen Allwise, to MCFC pragmatist Nick Goldstone, and to Tony Newgrosh. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.